Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. So, Liz. Yes. I have such a great idea how we can become famous and get all kinds of coverage in the New York Times and have great influence over a powerless nation. That's my goal. So tell me quick. (laughs) We should just totally now in quarantine, just make up some really scary charts and graphs about the pandemic and just like how gazillions of people are going to die and people are going to be like lined up outside of hospital emergency rooms and not have enough ventilators. And we can just use those made up models and graphs to get all kinds of attention for ourselves. I like that. I mean, if it's in a chart, it has to be right. I mean, it's a chart. Obviously. It's a chart. Charts not aren't wrong, right? I mean, they're they're wrong. They're 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 correct. Why do you hate science? It's true. And old people. <laughs> I hate science and old people. Let's add it add to the list. Let's be let's be accurate. So here are me and Liz, day thirteen of the day fourteen in perpetuity. Flatten the curve. Stop the spread. This is our second. Isn't this our second 14 days? I think it's our second month of 14 days. (laughs) It's our second 30 days of 14 days. (laughs) That's what it is. is. Uh, Well, we have to laugh. Otherwise, we would just not really cry. Just scream into the void, the Twitter void. I want to say I would run into the traffic, but there isn't any traffic <laughs> because everybody's locked up. So I don't know. I'm not allowed outside, so I don't know. I can't do that. <clears throat> so here we are again at happy hour, which is has not really been happy our past several episodes. Just but we're going to try to. So, Liz, what, what would you like to start off with today? There's, uh, of course, so much to cover. Oh, I don't know. I'll let you pick because you can pick and then I'll do the second thing. (laughs) I mean, there's because there's 10,000 little things to pick at. But let's talk about opening up our country. How about that? Let's start with that, because, of course, once again, we're recording on Thursday when we get the uh, very just catastrophic unemployment. Uh, jobs report. So today came in at, I believe, 4.4 million. Slight improvement over the 5.5 million from last week and the 6.6. Maybe there's some something to these numbers, but at any rate, we are closing in on 30 million people filing for unemployment claims in one month's time, which is unprecedented in American history and carries with it all sorts of catastrophic consequences. Um, and unfortunately, uh, President Trump and his coronavirus task force continue to focus on what's happening with the spread of the disease or lack thereof in most parts of the country, rather than getting a plan up together ASAP to start opening most of the economy quickly outside of New York City. Didn't he say he was putting together like the opening up task force a couple weeks ago? Like he he said that he was going to put a group together to 
I guess, I don't know, come together about how to open up the country. He said that. So why don't we, we could switch it out. You know what I mean? Like switch out this team for a new team, you know? Well, I think, I mean, I think that it's time, right? Because what we're seeing with these nightly evening updates, which happily coincide with happy hour, like a legit happy hour. So I know you watch most of them. I'm trying to watch as many as I can tolerate. They're just following the same pattern, right? So you have the president and you do his spiel and Mike Pence gives his solemn condolences to the victims of COVID-19. And then Burks comes up and Fauci kind of goes on his whatever. We add some people in here and there. And then Trump does his freewheeling talk and his sparring with the media. But I, I am of the view right now that this is counterproductive and that he needs to pivot back to or pivot solely to his economic reopening the economy task force, who I don't think we've really seen since last week. Well, it would definitely be good. I think it's important for them to keep putting out like some science and what we're doing so that people who watch are kept up to date that the administration is doing things. Cause part of the media narrative is that Trump just took February off. You know, he was golfing, he was smoking cigars, he was strip clubs, whatever. I mean, that, that's their narrative <laughs> that Trump didn't do anything in February as this ravaged our country when that's not true, but that's what they say. So I think it's important for them to, to more, more or less expand the presser where you have some one or two of these of the science side of things come out and say, we've, these are developments. We've got these new tests out where we've expanded antibody testing just that provides information about. So, so people do know that the federal government is doing something because again, to go back to the media narrative, the media narrative is that Trump is derelict because he is forcing the States to basically run their states, right? I mean, he, the article after article, Trump, Trump abandons and forces governors to manage crisis. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's your job. So in order to just keep that at bay, I think they should come out and say, these are the developments. These are new tests. This is what's happening. We've seen a decline, whether there's some hydroxychloroquine studies that whatever it is, and just come out and kind of give up, give some update, but then also come out and have someone on the, you know, talk about the more important issue at this point, which is who's opening, how's it going, what, you know, what steps are being taken to help people get back into their jobs, things like, things like that. So I do think that the gloom and doom part of it where they, and don't get me wrong, I do watch all of them and I watch them all because I want information, but more importantly, I want to see the media because there's nothing <laughs> as good on Netflix, Amazon, Hulu, or cable or HBO as entertaining to me as watching those media hyenas squawk out there. So um, I do, I do think putting out some good information is important, but then we should also pivot. And you know, the, the media don't ask about the actual details that are put in front of them. You know, you, you uh, a couple of days ago, uh, Burke ha Burks had all these charts. She was showing where all the location, the testing locations are in that in the state and how many 
tests they were able to do, I think, on a daily or weekly basis. And then somebody asked a question and said, the governors say there's no no way to get tests. And it's like, did you just not see the slide? They don't <laughs> ask about the information presented anyway. What They want to know why Trump's not wearing a mask or why he's still shaking hands with people or if he's been <laughs> tested or, you know, or something he tweeted five years ago. And it's not it contradicts something he just said yesterday. So. I agree with you. That was a rant. I'm sorry. I I need to get it out. But thank you for <laughs> it's indulging, okay. indulging my rant. Okay, now I'm done. Drop mic. <laughs> that's, that's that's what we're here for. I'm okay. sure you just expressed how a lot of people are feeling right now, especially the media who just continues to embarrass themselves on an hourly basis and their coverage of this. Um, but so yes, I think to the extent that you could give useful information about testing and testing availability and the number of tests and declining death rates, et cetera. I think that that's good. But this country is in crisis aside from the spread of this disease. And not only what's coming out is alarming about the unemployment numbers, but there are now emerging reports at how this has really impacted people's health regardless of COVID-19. So you're hearing about obviously healthcare workers being laid off, nurses and doctors um, having cut hours. But the scary stories are the ones where people who have cancer are not getting the screenings and the treatment that they need. People who need brain surgery are not getting that kind of surgery. Uh, Organ transplants are not happening. This is really... I would have to believe an unforeseen consequence of so-called social distancing and shutting down our healthcare system except for COVID-19 patients. And you have to assume, I mean, we saw this in New York City, they put out a do not resuscitate order, right, for cardiac patients for fear that they have coronavirus. It will be really heartbreaking to see some of the other casualties numbers coming out due to what we've done to our healthcare system and to sick people right now, uh, prioritizing people who either have COVID-19 or suspected of it. Um, and that's, that's pretty devastating. Well, it's going to be like um, Freakonomics where there's all of these consequences, some foreseen, but many unforeseen that arise out of this trauma. This is like a try trauma to society and in addition to people that you know again your cancer spreads you're not treated I I mean if you're in any way a fragile person physically you the worst thing that could happen right now is that you would need medical attention you know that's not coronavirus related like what if you break your leg what if you're in a car accident now granted people aren't really in cars as much. So those things are probably down just because we're not doing them. But if you need some kind of treatment, what if I, I do, I have a friend whose husband had a, a a cardiac procedure, a stent. She wasn't allowed in the hospital, even though the part of the hospital wasn't, it wasn't near the COVID. Like it was like in a different building, but they're like, you can't come in. So just weird stuff. And not to be able to be with someone when they're undergoing a medical procedure like that. And that that's just terrible. So we will see all kinds of consequences. I wish I could predict them and then I could get rich off of them, but I can't. But I, th- I definitely think. Well, that's why we stuff. pivot 
we pivot back to the making up the chart thing because I think that's our good fallback. Chart makers. That we are chart makers. Money um, charts. I think everyone at this point has some story of either someone they know or that has been impacted in a different way, right? So people who are not allowed to be with their loved ones on their deathbed, people who have to delay funerals, people, priests, family yeah. priests who are not allowed to administer final sacraments. Um, this is long-term and you hit, you said the perfect word trauma, how this is traumatic to every person outside of the fear of, of catching this virus. And so that speaks to an, a leadership void from the president who I really haven't heard him yet articulate any of this or express some kind of, I, I know he's a compassionate person, but he, he needs to speak to what other people are feeling, not just economic, but the emotional, mental, physical trauma of this shutdown. If you think about it, we've heard stories about those who lived through the Great Depression and how that, that colored the rest of their lives like you'll hear a story about someone who lived through the great depression and then when they passed away their kid found a mattress full of like cash and gold you know like they're hoarding like people's behavior is permanently altered from something like this in in a way because this is so traumatic this isn't just like a bad day or i had the seasonal flu um this is so traumatic that this is definitely going to affect our economics. I wouldn't be if it has a last, even if there's a, a vaccine, whenever that hap whenever that comes out, which I don't think it's going to be 18 months, it's probably going to be longer, but that's just me, um, that people aren't going to be much more careful about social, that these large social gatherings. And I think a lot of businesses have figured out that they don't necessarily need people in offices all the time, especially because, you know, <clears throat> offices have a lot of overhead. So if you don't, if you don't need to have an office full of people, then or you can have a smaller office because you really only need half your staff in there at any given time. I think changes like that are also coming. But individual people and consumers and economic actors are going to adjust their behavior from this. We'll see it, whether restaurants naturally just have tables further apart. People are less likely to go out. Who knows? Maybe there'll always be a toilet paper shortage now because people will never forget they couldn't get toilet paper. <laughs> just That's true. That's true. And I think that we're it's going to be a long time before we fully um, understand uh, the totality of the consequences of all of this and how it will alter behavior for a long time and how it just has, you know, changed people, especially young people. Right. So yeah. we are sending a sign to, you know, I have a 19 year old daughter and a 14, uh, 15 year old daughter. Whoops. What day is it? How old are you? Um what is this teaching them aside from just being living in fear and panic, but that the government can come in at any time, shut everything down, order you how to behave, uh, what to do. And you can't ask any questions. You yeah, must. But that's a good lesson, it. but that's a good lesson, honestly, for young people to learn right now <clears throat> following this. <laughs> no, no, no. It is because look at these, what is, is it the millennials or what these like millennial little brats that love government authority and yeah. when it works for them and they love censorship and, you know, really extreme um, 
consequences for those their political adversaries like death and ruin you know ruin and professional suicide think you know professional murder things like that so it's because they're comfortable you know when you're comfortable is when you can you can advocate for these things when you when you're you when you yourself are not in danger of the government actually coming in and chopping off your head but now a whole bunch of younger people see what the government can do when you give them power and consequently i wonder if there there'll be any consequences to the already disgraced media who have been just even bigger clowns than i thought possible following the russia hoax and the kavanaugh and mm-hmm. the impeachment and i think the media has done a terrible disservice um i mean they're not even professionals anymore they're they they might as well just register as like political actors in some in some form. But watching how they've dropped the ball on accurately communicating information, you know, instead of what they're doing, which is advocating against whatever comes out of the president's mouth, regardless. I mean, they're literally praying that this hydrochloroquine doesn't work. I mean, that's right. How sick and ghoulish are you if you're on the side of the virus, like killing people just so that Trump can't be right on something? Um so I, I do think it's good for people, especially young people, to realize like what what is possible. And there's generations of people that haven't suffered, like haven't suffered through something like that. So they 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 have a certain luxury and comfortableness about them. But now that's over. And then of course there's a crowd of people that love it because they're despotic, the chicken littles and the freaks that are happy to be told they can't go out. Right. And and so you have this whole like soup of of people and people who are involved and people observing this and people who are covering this and wouldn't really want to call them soup, maybe swamp rats or whatever they are. But um, so let's talk about the the back and forth between the media and the president. Aside from just the gotcha, you have some real hostility that you would I know we keep saying this. You could never imagine yeah. Barack Obama ever being subjected to any of this, no. you know, no. regardless of the number of people who died during his Afghanistan surge, the post Benghazi attack, uh, coddling of him and his administration. I mean, you there's a long list, right? Well, it but was you, more than coddling, right? They just covered yeah, for complicit. him. Right? complicit. Yeah, yeah they right. were accessories, right? I mean, we didn't hear anything like this about H1N1, which was also quite deadly, and we didn't hear no 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 due diligence on things like Benghazi or Fast and Furious. So, I'm sorry, go ahead. Continue. Um, no, so you have these reporters and of course, most of them are women. They're just these shrews who are you feel like if they could get up and punch him in the face that they would. Like that's how disrespectful and unprofessional these reporters have been. I agree. I think, I mean, if I, I think there's something to be said, Trump, Trump is, he exaggerates. He speaks imprecisely. Trump is not your typical smooth, um, tightly controlled politician, like a Pence, right? Like you can see, you could tell when Mike Pence speaks, he's thought about his words very, very carefully. Trump just lets it out. And like you would when you were having a conversation with a person. So you know what the other person means. Even if they're clumsy or imprecise, you get it. And you're not, you don't turn around at a friend with a friend that you're sitting at lunch with 
in the olden days when you were allowed to have lunch with your friends <laughs> and you don't start nitpicking every word out of their mouth saying, you, what did you mean by this? Did you, you said another word two weeks ago when you described the same person. So, um, where was I going with this? Um, oh, right. With- so yes, these are people who are, are not interested in what their alleged job is, which is to transmit information to the public. And now more than ever, when we are in a crisis and people are dying and there is great tragedy happening around this country, certainly the scenes from New York are horrifying. I've read way too many stories um, of these first responders and doctors in ERs and families. It's heartbreaking. And instead you have these clowns that are talk to the president like he's a child with these accusative tones um, and and this provocative manner. And I think if you wanted to go after Trump and I, I again, he's not perfect. And sometimes I get annoyed when he's always yapping about the ventilators. I'm the ventilator king. OK, fine. We get it. We get <laughs> king it. We get of the it. ventilators. Enough. Right, right. Enough. But um, I think that if you wanted to really, you know, go after Trump, you would want to come off as a very rational, clear and objective person. And instead, these people come off as just angry little brats. So you can't take anything. It's so obvious he's being attacked. I he he's certainly a better sport than I am. But I, I think that that leads to a problem for him, which is that he tends to react more to the media and the establishment and the elite than than he needs to. And he should be leading, you know, like he thinks about more about what he can do to like provoke these people or he wants to get into it and he's playing on their terms. And instead he should come out and make his own terms, which really needs to go back to our first segment, which is about, why aren't we talking about steps we can take and successes in in opening up the economy? So, yeah, I, I really do hate the media. I think they're disgusting. And they've terrified people to the point where they are afraid to even go out because they have such bad information, um, even if they're allowed to go open their business or go to work. It, it, it's just a lot of misinformation out there. Well, let's talk. There's um, a poll that's out today uh, that's really, I find, alarming. And I'm sure that part of this is because of the media hysteria. The number of people who will continue to shelter in place for long periods of time um, is alarming to me. So this new poll that came out, it's just coming out right now, um, 80% of people who were question said it's worth it in order to protect people and limit the spread of coronavirus to shelter in place. I mean, that's like you're not going anywhere. This includes 61% of Republicans, 84% of independents, and of course, 94% of Democrats. I'm shocked it's not 100%. Are placing unnecessary burdens on people in the economy are causing more harm than good? Only 19% of people see that, which is remarkable to me. Um, there's another poll out that's kind of similar, uh, about, uh, this is a CBS news poll. If stay at home restrictions were lifted, would you be comfortable going to a bar or restaurant? 71% no. Get on an airplane? 85% no. 
or attend a large event? 87% no. Yeah, it, it's, it's, that's terrible. However, I, I want to say that I'm a little sympathetic to these people because they have had the shit scared out of them. Yes, they have. You, so, I mean, if I didn't know better, because I talk to people who do get their news. I always talk about my mom because my mom gets all her news from CNN and Fried <laughs> right. Zakaria right. and Bill Maher. <clears throat> and I, I have to spend like a half an hour refuting her with like the Detoxing actual quotes. Her. Well, just with quotes and like numbers is showing her. And so, but, and my mom is a nurse. So she's, you know, she has some medical background and I I'm like, if this was nearly as contagious as the media would like you to believe, then everybody would freaking have it. That's right. That's just not the case. And, you know, instead of taking a step back, people are getting into the panic because the media is their ghouls and they're, they want to, promote this fear among people. So I don't blame people for not wanting to go out because we're not having talks about even because really the fear is worse than the virus right now. And what what I think will need to happen is places will need to start opening up and right. people will need to see that the the ambulances aren't dropping bodies off in front of the hospitals once that happens. There has to be some people will need to feel certain because they're not getting the information that shows that that most of the people who do get do get this virus do not go into the hospital. And even of the ones who go into the hospital, many of them don't go on a ventilator and then die. So but that's not how this is being pitched. So right. where do people go and get that information? You know, a lot of the people just watch the news. They watch cable. They read, you know, garbage like HuffPo and, uh, you know, Daily Beast. Daily and, Mail. Yeah. Daily and they're Mail. reading their headlines and they're freaked out. You know, you and I, we're like looking at charts. We're looking at different data. Right. We're like, hey, what happened last year with the flu? I mean, wh- what did we talk? We were on the phone yesterday and I looked up what 8,000 people die a day in this country. Right. It's like nobody ever dies. Again, I have to say not to diminish, you know, not to diminish any suffering or death. It's 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 a tragedy. I've been close to it before. But this idea that nobody is supposed to get this virus and nobody is supposed to die because they're old and sick and then get a virus is ridiculous. We've completely changed the terms of the game. The terms Mm -hmm. went through, we were sold that we need to um, do what we have to do to prevent our hospital system from getting overwhelmed. This is why we were quote, slowing the spread and, you know, flattening the curve because we, you know, so that we didn't overwhelm our, our facilities and that it's gone from that to nobody can get it now nobody can get it right no but that's exact right that's the that's shift. right that's, that's right shift. and what we're getting in drips and drabs now which is vitally important is number one the more evidence that some of us have suggested from the beginning looking especially at the flu reports that influenza like illness cases is that this disease has been here probably since December. Now you have Gavin Newsom announced yesterday that he's going to be looking at autopsy results or I don't know, is he going to be exhuming dead bodies from December? I'm not sure. Looking to see, (laughs) 
school looking to see if these decedents have the test positive for um, for the virus because now they have deaths. Now they're backdating to the beginning of February, which means these people were sick in January, which, of course, makes complete sense. You know, especially in California, you had people traveling, um, you know, high Asian populations traveling into California and New York City from China. I think something like 60,000 Chinese travelers come into the United States a a month, a week. The White House had the data. I, I can't recall it off the top of my head. But at any rate, there's more emerging data in addition to now these antibody tests to prove that this virus has been here, was prevalent Um, has been spreading for at least a few months, past few months, and that it didn't seem like there was a huge overrun of our healthcare system. I'm sure that there were hospitals, if they look back, recognize that as COVID-19 versus the flu, or maybe it was a co-infection. And so I guess Governor Cuomo today in his presser is releasing some early statistics, now this is preliminary, that show that 21% of People in New York City have the antibodies for um, COVID-19. And so we're starting to see a little bit of that data come out. And that is going to be really interesting and telling in terms of how this spread, where it spread, who was infected, how they recovered, and how our healthcare system absorbed it. And we didn't even know it. No, that's a great point. And I think as they do more and more of this, um, I don't know what the name of it is, the surveillance, they call it, um, and these random antibody tests, we're going to find that, in fact, many people were exposed to this. I've said, and I know you've also said, I feel like we deserve like a balloon send off or a ticker tape parade or something for saying totally. that this has been here. There's no way this virus came to, in, you know, appeared in China in November, according to the Chinese authorities, which means October, September, and it did not get here. It's just it's not it's just not possible. So, yes, I think this is going to be very interesting. And it's I have to say, I am impressed that the media is covering this. They're actually writing stories about how it may have been here earlier than we thought. Well, yes. I mean, they don't go the extra step and say, then what about your models? You know, what does that do to all your models? (laughs) Womp, womp. Well, this is why the Murray model, and I know we've talked about this, but I covered climate science for years before this came about, and which I think was one reason I was so skeptical from the beginning, because it did look a lot like Michael Mann's infamous hockey stick chart, which shows this flat line and then all of a sudden this huge spike. What was so dishonest about the Murray model is there was no attempt to backdate, right? So, so it basically started on March 1st, which right then and there should be called into question because knowing that the first cases here were at least identified in mid-January on the West Coast, you had to know that this was spreading, that it was already prevalent. It was probably already responsible for contributing to the deaths of people across the country. But there was no effort to look at that existing data to create predictions or assumptions of what was happening here in January and February, only making up imaginary, scary, six-figure numbers about the number of people who are going to die by August 4th or whatever. So I think 
I just think what we know and see now is going to look so different even eight weeks from now as the antibody tests continue, as people start looking backwards instead of just forwards, which is dangerous, um, because that will tell the real story of how the country handled this. Yeah, definitely. I th- and and we'll see we'll see how responsibly the public is is informed of this. Like we'll see how honest investigations take place or if people will cover cover themselves. Like just to digress off this topic briefly, we've had a whole bunch of information come out about the Russia hoax and really kind of undermining everything, even more of what the media claimed and even more about the, the senior um, justice officials uh, were up to in this Russia hoax and spying shenanigan. And the media is just ignoring it because they're absolutely, they've absolutely been be they're, they're clowns. So I wonder if the same thing will happen you know, months, months down the line, six months down the line, if they're just going to pretend they're, they haven't utterly been undermined by, by the information we get from doing studies or if we do studies, I guess. Well, I think the only way that they'll be interested in backdating it is to use it against Trump. So they oh, will be yes. able to add death. They'll be able to add dead bodies to his already, what, 45,000 or so allegedly uh, deaths to coronavirus. That will that's the only thing that I think will jar their interest. Right. I I agree with you because this is this is not about, again, any sort of professional performance. This is about that they're resistance people and they just want to get Trump no matter what. How else can you explain why people would rally against a treatment for a deadly disease? I mean, seriously, you, there's something, you, something's wrong with you. Something is wrong with you. And along those lines, we have a whistleblower. Do you know what? about the whistleblower? Yes. What? We have the first one. We have the first whistleblower is in the house. Um, <laughs> this whistleblower is um, an HHS employee who, I can't remember his name. It's like Dr. Strong or something. Maybe, I don't oh, know. Something like yes. that. String. Or, he um, was not fired. He was transferred. He was removed. You can't fire these people. Of these, course. These people course. are like roaches where they never die. You cannot <laughs> fire a career civil servant. And he has come out and he has said that he was transferred because he was not on team hydrochloroquine. Now, funny, I should, or funny, I guess, in general, um, that he has counsel and his counsel are the same lawyers of Christine Blosey Ford. No. Yes. No, that is, Liz, that's a coincidence. I, <laughs> when did you become so cynical? Shut up, Liz. Totally coincidence. Yeah. Oh, right. my God. I mean, it, look, there's only one or two lawyers in the entire country. So come on. It's like hard to find a lawyer in D.C., right? Literally, my Uber <laughs> driver in D.C. My Uber driver's a lawyer. Like, there's a 50-50 chance he's a Ph.D. or a lawyer in D.C., but fine. So, yes, he has retained the services of Christine Blosey Ford's uh, attorneys. And it turns out that this this doctor um, was a big advocate of hydrochloroquine and lifted up some restrictions to disseminate it widely. And there's emails showing this. So 
I'm not sure why he's decided to use the the media's chosen sword against Trump, hydrochloroquine, to base his uh, whistleblower claim on. But there you have it. This I will say that some media outlets did really r- jump on this pretty quick. The New York Times, of course, Maggie Haberman um, was, the, was so so excited to break this story, and there were some other actual. Um, corporate media types that pretty much blew a hole in it. So I think that it's not going to go anywhere. But I, I think it's funny that they're doing the same the same thing. Like they're trying, it's the same. Yeah, it, wash, rinse, repeat. You got anything else? It's like it's like when your your pet gets a surgery and they get like the cone, right? You know, to keep them from like pulling out their stitches. <laughs> and they're trying to go around a corner and they can't, but they don't realize. And then they keep just keep doing it. Like they're like, why can't I get around the corner? And they just keep, keep, keep. They don't, you know, like that. That's how the media is. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't help it. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, and uh, so... Back in as far as the media too, you know, it's just astonishing to me to watch them um, commend and fluff and just swoon over Andrew Cuomo, right? So he's has these daily pressing press briefings, and he is he's worse than Trump on how he just goes off on these tangents and these lectures, and you know, kind of pats himself on the back and comes up with these odd stories. Um, so keeping in mind that his state is responsible for half of the reported deaths and won't shut down parts of the subway, which we now know is a prime vector, the New York City subway, prime vector of spreading COVID-19, did not prepare his healthcare system, his hospital system for, they were not prepared at all for any of this. But he's he's the good guy, right? Ron DeSantis in Florida is the bad guy. The mayor of Las Vegas, if you want to talk about her a little bit, she's the bad guy. You know, anybody who isn't a Democrat regardless of their their own body count, uh, is, is the bad guy. And so yesterday he finally was questioned, surprisingly, by a, a reporter who finally pressed him about people, the protesters and people who want to go back to work. And it was sort of astonishing to watch him just discard any concerns about people who are, have been out of work and are under house arrest, even to the extent that he was downplaying any fatalities from domestic violence. Did you watch that clip? I didn't watch it, but I do want to point out that there are allegations that he has been like hanging out at his summer home, traveling there or whatever. Hasn't he been? Busted? I thought that was Northam. I thought that was Northam. I haven't Maybe. seen that with Cuomo. Maybe not. I don't know. I guess it's, oh. well, we know his brother lied about being under. We know that. <laughs> No, we can talk about that, which is absolutely insane. But maybe it was Northam who's going to his vacation home and not. What's the difference? There's there's no they're, they're metaphysically equivalent. So anyway, continue on. Continue on. Okay. But the Chris Cuomo clip of him emerging from the basement. Fake well, I emerging. Mean, what is, what emerging. is with these people? <laughs> he wasn't he's already even, been out on his bike, right? He in the wasn't Hamptons. even there. He was at his family's like. He was at some land he owns in the Hamptons and some bike rider saw him with his family walking. Remember, now this guy has the virus. Not this isn't just some rando where you don't know and they could be perfectly healthy. This guy is he is in fact he is typhoid Mary. He is ground zero and he is out (laughs) and about at his land in the Hamptons and some biker like 
guy on a on a, a bike was like approached him was like dude what I mean he was probably watching CNN and thought that Cuomo's like in his basement having chills and nightmares and all sorts of horrible things chipping his teeth yeah and now he's like wait a minute what he's out and about and and uh Fredo Cuomo like admitted basically kind of admitted that he had this confrontation with the bike the bike rider and then he still stages this totally fake like I'm coming out now I'm up I'm, I'm, I'm coming out air oh God. Oh, the lights. I can't bear the lights. It burns. I can't. It burns. <laughs> There's something really off with those people, yeah, with both of them. Not, they are not right in the head. Either but one you remember them. the dad, right? The dad was such a showboater, too. Like, yeah. he was such a drama queen, Mario Cuomo. I, that's all yeah. I remember of him. Yeah. No, it's definitely, um, there is a pattern. <laughs> there is a pattern there. <laughs> what a what a joke. I don't know what to say. I just it's 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 just this this theater and people are buying into it and nobody's called him out. No, meanwhile, George Stephanopoulos, I tweeted out a picture. There was a story in the New York Post of a picture of George Stephanopoulos, who is also positive, just out walking on the street without a mask, talking on the phone. Mm-hmm. This isn't some like. When I say I want things to open, I don't mean I want people to go out and and infect people negligently. I'm talking about normal people who who are quite healthy. If you know you're sick, stay the fuck inside. What the hell? But nobody's calling them out. Meanwhile, you have Jim Acosta like, why aren't you wearing a mask, President Trump? But (laughs) you got Jim Acosta, uh, you got Stephanopoulos walking outside and you they're all at the Hamptons, you know. They're just like mm-hmm. you and I, of course, just like the common man is in the summer at the Hamptons. And of course. Nobody calls him out. Not a peep. Not a peep. No. And I don't know. Did you see the House Oversight Committee meeting yesterday where oh. Jim Jordan wasn't wearing a mask? I was he's like my he's like my hero. I am. <laughs> no, I didn't see it. I I don't think I could have watched that. How was that? I guess. I don't know. If no, I, I just saw a picture. I, I can't watch it either. I was not going to watch the whole hearing. Um, but of course, they want to form another oversight committee to look into the handling of the coronavirus crisis by the administration. And so that's their latest stick. I think they were going to appoint Donna Shalala. Good God. What is she still doing around? She's an elected representative from Florida, right? Is she Florida? Yes, she is Florida. She's Florida. Yeah, <clears throat> that's who we, that's who we need back in the spotlight. You know, but, Washed up Clinton Clinton hanger on. Well, at least she's out in the open instead of all the derp staters that are burrowed into the administration pretending to be civil servants. But we should talk about now, just like we were right about how this had been here for a long time and that um, this isn't nearly as contagious as everybody says it is. um, We should talk about the upcoming hearings that are going to happen over this, because whenever I see Fauci and Burks and Giroir and whoever gets trotted out there um, and that poor Surgeon General who got in trouble for being racially insensitive, even though he's black man. Um, yes. I just imagine what are they going to look like at the Senate hearing at the, the House hearings? Because there is going to be <clears throat> such a spectacle of this. And in even though there I, there were all sorts of screw ups along the way, certainly the CDC completely they contam- basically contaminated their their tests, the initial tests with with coronavirus. That's how idiot that mm-hmm. that's how it's filthy, dirty 
facility that was found to be creating these things that nobody's interested in actually holding someone accountable for that, which is in fact quite negligent and should be punished. They just want to get Trump. So it's just going to be another, another spectacle. And that is, that is coming. We, they've got one whistleblower that kind of flops. They're going to fo- float another trial balloon. They probably have 10 uh, Eric Chermelas in the wings, just waiting mm-hmm. out. You watch. Right. And, um, but to that extent, I would, again, where is the Senate GOP asleep at the switch? Of course. I mean, Rand Paul had a pretty good rant the other day on the floor, um, about getting the economy opened up. Um, but I think back to our Chris Murray of the Murray model and how that was handled, how it was presented to Deborah Burks, how they then presented it to the president. I think the American people deserve to know a lot more of how that went down and to really interrogate Chris Murray for his uh methods and the data that he originally used, which I believe was a small sample from China to create these outlandish uh, death projections. So again, I'm dreaming, you know, we could put that hearing next to the um, Brett Kavanaugh hearing um, Uh about what went down there. We can put that next to, of course, what we're waiting for the uh, FISA gate hearings that Lindsey Graham has promised. I was going to say, we could get this on Lindsey Graham's plate. He's a man of action. (laughs) <laughs> he he really is. Where is that guy? I mean, exactly. Yes. So that I, once again, where is the Senate GOP? Don't know. Um, but there are there is some encouraging news on that front about the Durham investigation. Uh, we keep, keep getting information that this investigation is ongoing, that it's ramping up. Um, it's hard to tell exactly what's real, what isn't real, but it does seem like there's a little bit of uptick in. Uh, activity and and news coming out about that. No, there <clears throat> there is, and it's unfortunate because it's not getting any attention. And because we have this virus, the media has even more of an excuse to completely ignore ignore it because they're 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 discredited even more than they were discredited before this stuff started coming out with this uh, release of this. Well, the Senate the Senate Intel report is a joke. Because oh, the, yes. Senate, the Senate Intel Committee, um, which it is always proud about how bipartisan it is, they're 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 on the they're on the side of the actual like criminals in this. You know, they're on the side of the deep state. They they are the deep state. Um, but other information that were re- recently redacted, footnotes <clears throat> showing even more information. The media has been entirely discredited, and so are all their highly paid former, uh, I guess, non-biased civil servants that are getting big, fat six or seven figures for appearing on CNN and MSNBC. Mm-hmm. Those, all their lies are are are, are ex- being exposed. And the media is just going to move on like it didn't happen. There's going to be no, no, no consequences for lying. That's why they keep doing it. They do. And that's what's alarming. And that uh, is the more that we need to know about the Durham investigation, I know people keep saying a report, but it's an investigation. It's a full blown. Now it's a criminal investigation. Um, What media figures will be identified as being complicit in what the FBI and DOJ was, were attempting to do. And this 
it's worth reminding people that it was three years ago this month that the Washington Post ran its hit job against Carter Page that revealed to the public that there was a FISA warrant out against Carter. That was three years ago this month. It cited several law enforcement and intelligence officials who we know were holdovers in the Obama administration, right, because this was April of 2017, who illegally leaked details of a highly secret surveillance operation into a Trump campaign aide, which is illegally leaking classified information, a felony punishable up to 10 years in jail. Three years later, we don't have one name of one official who illegally leaked that in order to destroy Carter's life and, of course, sabotage the new Trump administration. Three years later, we have no clue who did it. Well, the same goes for the <clears throat> kind gentleman who leaked the uh, details of of Flynn, Flynn's conversation with the Russian ambassador. Right. That's also extraordinarily, that's like the highest level of information. He's still working at the Pentagon, from what I understand. So nothing We've got nothing for him. So, yeah, it's it's just it's depressing. <laughs> it's very depressing. Well, and now it looks like the Durham investigation is going to go on into late summer. You know, we've just this keeps dragging out. They have a little bit of an excuse because I'm sure things have really slowed down with the with the lockdown. Um, but I I have to say, as somebody who covered this pretty extensively, I've lost a little bit of interest in it, mostly because I'm been covering the pandemic, but, and what's happening here. Um, but it's really hard to see all of these details keep getting released about who did what, what we were lied to about, um, and still no one held accountable. And so I think in still, until we start seeing some charges and indictments, it's not just, you know, people have covered it like me who are losing interest. I think the American, you know, people who were invested in it and have been waiting for a few years for something to happen, I think they might be losing interest and hope, too. That's just a guess. No, I agree with you. And I think that it but it served its purpose to send the message, which is that our people are punished. Some are in jail for idiot things, process crimes, nothing related to the original charges. So that they got that. And it kind of set an, you know, an example for anyone who wants to challenge the structures, the power, existing power structures and all this other stuff. Who cares? And I do think people are are have lost interest in it because what's the point? It's like you're banging your head on the wall. No matter how incriminating the information that is revealed over time has been, no, nothing happens. Nothing right. happens. Nothing does happen. And I mean, we just listed a few of the major scandals. The Kavanaugh hearing, we were told after that, attempted character assassination, that there were going to be hearings, more information about the people who lied about what happened. We were also told, I believe Chuck Grassley referred for criminal investigation, uh, Julie Swetnick and Michael Avenatti and a few other people. Nothing happened there. There were no public hearings uh, bringing these people to account. Um, nothing no one was ever held accountable for what they did to Brett Kavanaugh and his family. And I do place a lot of the blame on the Republicans who are in charge of the Senate, who have promised all of this. If they're not going to be charged, we can't really stop that. We can hold public hearings. We can force these people to tell the American people, answer questions about what they did. 
and they can destroy, continue to destroy their own reputation in that venue. But like you just said, none of that is happening. And here we have Andrew McCabe on CNN and we have Jim Comey, who's a contributor to the Washington Post. And you have Lisa Page, you know, what flirt flirting on Twitter with her former co-workers, which is really gross. But they have this hero martyr status and people are confused about what exactly they did because they've never even been held, not criminally culpable, but either or publicly. Well, but I mean, part of the public um, exposure of the, of, of, of these people and their actions would necessarily force like pressure from the public for action to be taken against them. It would make it harder for government officials to get away with being like, eh, whatever. So they set up the president, tried to ruin, you know, and tried to sabotage his presidential campaign and framed him for espionage. You know, it's harder to get away with that once all the information is out there and publicly covered. And that's just not going to happen. And that's why it keeps happening is the Democrats have been very good at weaponizing the institutions of government to further their political careers. The Republicans have not. And that's for a couple reasons. I think first, because in general, people who are center right are not interested in having a relationship with the government, whether that's working for the government um, and being part of that orbit of government affiliated or outside organizations. Uh, That's the first thing. But the 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 second thing is that they're part of the establishment of the status quo. Most Republicans are, and they're afraid of being rejected by the status quo because that is their social circle and that's their social standing. And in, there's a handful who aren't, but most Republicans are are almost the same as the Democrats. They're just less interested in hijacking the government for their political purposes. They're weak and they're bought off by other interests that will prevent them from doing that anyway. So that's unfortunate. I don't, we've seen this at its, it's at its peak now. It's never been more obvious what the system is now. And that's actually why Trump got elected. And it still doesn't seem to have made an impact. Um, Even within Trump's own administration, he hasn't been good about getting people in that are more honest and not don't see the the government as a political weapon but see it as serving the people he has it he there's so many openings when a new president comes in and he's been slow he's had bad people doing it so he gets bad people in his in, in his administration that are subtly undermining him you know it's just it's just an it's just a mess it's amazing we're not already all in gulags to be honest with you right well, that that could be next. Day's not over. The day's not um, over. You know, I'm going to bring up a name, a blast from the past, and I want to get your feedback on this person. Um, Joe Biden. Oh, that rings a bell. And he, remember that guy? He is familiar. <laughs> I do remember him. Barely. I have a faint recollection. <clears throat> So it's getting harder and harder to divorce the idea that the Democrats are completely overblowing this, leveraging this, exploiting this, so they can continue to keep uh, Joe, old Joe, um, w- with his uh, visiting angels. You know that song, <laughs> visiting angels. That's so true. <laughs> That's so America's. True. <laughs> That's so funny. So- <laughs> 
<laughs> because the guy really cannot do anything on his own. He gave this odd Earth Day um little spiel yesterday with Jill Biden, who did most of the talking. And I think he was kind of leaning, like propped up against her. And she's like a tiny little thing, but he's <laughs> creeping behind. It was just so she, anyway. Like- was it a video of like her feeding and like mashed potatoes, like with a spoon where you go open your mouth, Wee, like it's an airplane. It's yeah. a place for mom. It's oh, a place geez. for your Democratic presidential. Place campaign. for Joe. Place for Joe. <laughs> uh. Then he did this weird interview with Al Gore. Even yeah. Al Gore's face is like, what? What? what Why am I? <laughs> Why am I not running? What? Who is this clown? Um. So, obviously, this keeping Joe Biden under wraps until, what, November 2nd? Maybe they'll roll him out somewhere before Election Day. Um, it seems to be the strategy for old, for old Joe. Yeah, well, they can't let him out. Um, they're going to have <laughs> to let him debate, though. I mean, there's only... Again, this virus coverage keeps him from being in the headlines, because if it wasn't about the virus, it would be about the election. And right. because the, and I think the Democrats got wise on this. They weren't wise to the fact, although maybe they did get a little wise about this, more wise than they were, that the more Hillary Clinton was in public, the lower her numbers got. So she made very limited, controlled appearances. And I think that they are going to follow that now with Joe. I think I've said that before, where they realize that rather than showcase proudly their candidate <laughs> – their their best their best <laughs> strategy is to hide him away um, in a basement with his n- team of nurse wet nurses. <laughs> yeah. Um, as Stacey Abrams continues to Ugh. just completely prostitute herself in front of the media, begging for the uh, for to be his uh, running mate. Pretty sick. Oh, she's. Somebody, I think it was actually of all people, Rich Lowry, like she was responding to some article, that, you know, the headline was about Stacey Abrams, like, I'm ready to go. And <laughs> Rich Lowry <laughs> responded and said, she hasn't even finished her first term as Georgia governor yet. <laughs> Rich made a funny. Wow. It was, it was actually shocking. funny. But the no. truth is, why is this woman taken seriously? What has is she ever held elected office? Liz, she what she won the governorship of Georgia. I just right. I, voter fraud. No, stole it from her. I think she was was she a state rep? Maybe, maybe she was a state rep. I so she should be vice president. That sounds like a trajectory I can get behind. <laughs> state rep, vice um, president. Okay. There was also interesting rumors that Michelle Obama would be uh, Joe's running mate, which uh, I am outside of Chicago. <clears throat> you know, followed the Obamas. My husband used to work with Barack Obama when he was in the state legislature. But um, there are very few people who hate politics more than Michelle Obama. That was just never going to happen. And so uh, Valerie Jarrett came out this week and said, quashed that rumor and said, under no circumstances, why would she give up her luxurious life now to to work for Joe Biden? Like, no. Oh, absolutely. She there's no there's no way. First of all, because. If whoever's the vice president is really going to be the president because Joe Biden cannot like he can't do it. He can't even make right. right. You know, he can't even speak. 
So whoever is the vice president, if assuming th- this sort of faux pretend candidate wins, the vice president's really going to be the president. And so then it, it wouldn't even be like Michelle Obama would be vice president. She would do the usual things where she goes to funerals and opens post office. She would actually have to run. the. She would she would actually have that job. So I, I don't. I'm glad she's not going to do it. I The problem is these people are trying to outwoke each other. So it's going to have to be not only a woman, it's got to be a, a woman of color and maybe a lesbian or something. I don't know, even more, you know, to go even further. So I don't know. Who do you what if you, it's what if it was somebody who had like four genders? Why not? You know, because you can appeal to more that way. If you're more genders, like everybody, you have like a wider appeal if you can be many things. But we check who, all the boxes. Who would he pick? Like, who would be his pick? Well, I think some people have suggested Amy Klobuchar, which I think to oh. your point, it has to be a woman of color. I don't see Amy Klobuchar. She obviously does not fit the bill. She's not, not even really white. She's like, translucent like she doesn't really even have a color but her um who else well obviously Gretchen Whitmer was really she was up there with Stacey Abrams trying to like strut in front of the Biden team Biden and I think she torched her chances um so I really don't know Kamala Harris but that doesn't she doesn't bring much to the table and actually I think probably hurts him more than helps so I don't know well, Kamala is not going to win California for him. He's already got that. So he needs to mm-hmm. pick someone from a state that he would be an, an added bonus to him. But you've got to remember that <clears throat> Joe can't really campaign, you, you know, like he can. Luckily, thank God. I mean, maybe this is why they're trying to keep the quarantine on. So they have a reason to keep Joe, you know, for the country, just so they have a cover for Joe Biden. But he can't campaign. So whoever his his vice presidential pick is going to pick up that slack. So it right. has to be somebody who's dynamic and motivating and gets people excited. Who is that of the options? It's not Amy Klobuchar. She's <laughs> dull, right? It's not her. He's already said it's a woman, so it can't be Mayor Pete. Um, it can't be Beto um, in the hopes that they get Texas. Um, it has to be – it may be somebody – it may be somebody not even on that list, It, but it will have to be from a state where they will pick up those votes. And it, you know, that that's, that's what I'm thinking, but I don't, can you believe, can you imagine it being Klobuchar? Oh I, God. And Kamala also, like I said, she doesn't bring anything. And then who were the no. other Elizabeth Warren? Warren. How about Marianne Williamson? Now that I, I yeah, I don't dig. see him. I don't see him doing that. Um, that would be a dream come true for us, but I don't think that's ha- going to oh. happen. Tulsi, no, no, obviously that's not going to no. happen. We'll see. I mean, he's like I yeah. said, the heat's off him. The heat is off him because nobody is really talking about the specifics of the presidential campaign. They're 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 in an, a really ideal situation for somebody who wants to take out or damage a candidate, which is every single day, and this is unprecedented. Every single day, Trump basically walks out in front of the firing squad and takes their hits. Can you think of a president that has ever had more, given the press more access like that? No, never. Regular politicians don't even do that. You know, maybe they have like a monthly or quarterly meeting at town hall or something. 
at even at the state or local level. But every single day, Trump basically opens himself up to his mortal enemies and he's running for president. The press actually has him in a good spot. Well, Joe just kind of mumbles and eats, you know, his Weetabix in the basement and his sure milkshakes. <laughs> so, I mean, well, I yeah. think he's got to announce it pretty soon. I mean, the D- the convention has been canceled, so it's not like he has to do anything before then. But it seems like, I mean, generally that happens <clears throat> when sometime after Memorial Day. Um, so they, I don't even know if he's got a committee together to vet who the possible VP could be. But I assume that announcement will be coming somewhat soon. He doesn't even know. He doesn't even know what's going on. He doesn't know the conventions. He doesn't, like, what does Trump say? He didn't write that. He has no idea what's going on. That is not wrong. Who was Ross Perot's running mate? That Admiral, what's his name? Remember him? And he's like, who am I? Jim Stockwell. What am I doing here? Who am I here? Who am I and why am I here? That's, but that was a joke for him. But for Joe Biden, it's It's not a joke. It's not a joke. It's every hour something that probably comes out of his mouth. Um, So we are at our hour and we're going to wrap up. Julie, any parting words? Um, No, I'm glad we got a little happy there at the end for happy hour. Um, So, no, just uh, April 30th, 14 more days. 14 more days. And in seven more days, we'll be back. You can listen to us next week, and we'll see you then. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Happy Hour with Julie and Liz. We'll see you next week. Bye.